0: my entrepreneur journey was born. Now I am a people strategist and founder of Serve Recruitment Agency, a boutique recruitment firm that helps scaling companies hire aligned leaders for growth. In this podcast, I'm going to share about my business journey, entrepreneurship, leadership, and how hiring the right humans unlocks massive potential. Welcome to the show. Are you confused about hiring? You're not alone. Majority of leaders struggle to figure out who they need in what roles and when, and how these people will have the greatest impact on the growth of their business. This is why we created People Strategy Sessions to do a deep dive into your business and help you build a clear roadmap on the talent you need to drive sustainable growth. We dive into your greater why, where you are today in your business, where you want to go in your business from a growth standpoint, and ultimately, who do you need to enable that growth overall? For more information, please send an email to jackie at jackieservice.com or feel free to reach out at jackieservice across all platforms. Welcome back to another episode of the Jackie Service Show. Thanks so much for joining again. I'm so excited to be able to have just open, real, and honest conversations with tech founders and those that are changing the industry that they're in. So Lucas, I'm so excited to have you on the show today. Welcome.
1: Well, yeah. Hey, thank, thanks for having me. It was awesome to get into the podcast.
0: Yeah. So it's going to be fun to talk more about stagetimer.io and your journey. And we're going to get there as a part of this conversation But before we do, I always like to do a couple rapid-fire questions. It just helps me get to know you a little bit better, and it also helps whoever's listening in get to know you as well.
1: Oh, yeah. Awesome. Go ahead. Okay. Where were you born? I was born in uh, South Germany, pretty close to the place I'm living right now, Stuttgart, um, maybe known for the Mercedes-Benz and the Porsche car manufacturing
0: Amazing. And you answered my next question, which is where's home now? So relatively similar yeah. place.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's exactly around this corner.
0: Amazing. Now you shared, though, before we pressed record that you've been doing a little nomading and traveling to different parts of the world as well. So where have you been traveling to as you've been building or thinking about the
1: idea of Stage Timer? Yeah, in fact, um, me and my wife, we made a big plan last year to say uh, that, you know, we went full time already. Let's do the nomading, the traveling around in Asia uh, thing. And we, in fact, uh, uh, got rid of our apartment, sold our furniture, went on the journey. Um, but after like six months, we came to the point to say we really like having a, a base of operation, like just a home that, that we are permanently and being married and maybe also being just over 30. Uh, it was more attractive to us to say, you know what? It was nice. It was awesome. We enjoyed it uh, working all over the place in Asia. Uh, let's get home. Let's go home and find a new place. Internally. I, know,
0: I know that feeling deeply. There's something so cool about being able to travel and go see the world and yeah. do it on your terms. And then there's a time where you just feel like you're complete. It's like, all right, it's time to plant roots yeah. and come home. And that doesn't mean you're not still traveling or being able to go to where you want to go for certain periods of time. But I'm I'm definitely love having a home base now too.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and we don't like we really enjoyed it. We we thought saw it like as a beta test to see which cities we like and cool. which cities we may you know visit in the future. But um yeah, you eventually you've seen the world and, and understood cultures and saw saw things and now you want to do other other bigger plans in your life.
0: I love that. Do you have a favorite city? Like, do you have a city you traveled to where if you weren't living right now in Germany, you would think like, okay, we could actually see ourselves there too.
1: Yeah, we totally loved um, in the South of Vietnam, uh, Saigon, which is called Ho Chi Chi Minh City. Yes. And um, unfortunately, at least at that time in Vietnam, you couldn't stay longer than 30 days. Couldn't renew your visa. It just didn't have a program like this. But we really enjoyed like the people I got in contact there with, the indie hackers, uh, as well as just like the environment and the food. Um, yeah, our favorite. Incredible.
0: Okay, I have not been, so I'll add it to the list of places I need to get in the world. We're finally at that stage. We have uh, six-year-old twin girls where we're starting to open them up to travel and thinking about travel. We're doing a little bit of uh, Europe this Christmas over to England and Sweden. And um, so we're just getting to the stage where we feel like we can start packing our backpacks again and taking them with us on these adventures. So I think we're a couple yeah. more years until we can do Vietnam, just because of the distance from Toronto, uh, it's a, it's a long flight, but Europe is definitely a place oh where we want to spend a lot more time.
1: Yeah. We, t- we told ourselves, you know, let, let, let's, let's get a bit more wealthy and then we fly business next time. There we because, go. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it yeah being being an economy while you're going on you know 13 14 15 hour flights it's there's Day definitely a luxury being able to lie down and have yeah, space yeah. yeah I love that okay well great we, we know that you're in Germany you nomaded know we have an understanding that you know Saigon and Vietnam is a place that you loved um going into whether it's personal development professional development do you have a favorite book that is something that you recommend to everyone or something that really shaped or influenced your thinking?
1: That's really a, my wife question. She's the, the reader. But you know what? I will share a book that, that the book that brought me to entrepreneurship. Uh, it's a very basic book. It's called The E-Myth Revisited by Matthew yes. Gerber. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really, really basic. It just introduces her to it, the idea of like, what is a business? How do you think of a business? how like ter- the turnkey idea. Uh, like, you know, what, what is involved? besides just the, the manual labor that you have to do. Um, it, it opened my mind to, to business and entrepreneurship. And I mean, it's, I guess most of your listeners are there already. So it's kind of...
0: <laughs> it's a good one to revisit though, because it's something I read multiple years ago and then came up recently when I was doing some team development with a team using that language, right? Because when mm-hmm. we think about entrepreneurship, there are times where we act like employees, right? We're acting like the employee, we operate like the employee, especially when we're getting started, right? Our hands are in the business, we're doing the business, we're in the weeds. And then to step into management roles versus entrepreneurship and how we define that. It's really, uh, it's a book I think should be on everybody's bookshelf, especially if they're in entrepreneurship, just to understand those variances of the roles we play as founders when we're building businesses.
1: Exactly. And I also like the concept of, even though you don't have a team, maybe you're just you and your friend, you still define roles. Like I do this and you do this and I do this and you do this. So eventually further on, when you start to hire, when you grow, you, you know, like what role to give up, what role to keep and don't have this mixture and and, and chaos that, that mains you.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Last question before we dive into your story, which is who in your life has been a mentor that has helped let's even say shaped the idea of stage time or IO who's helped you really think differently about building
1: businesses. Yeah, I would, I would love to say I have one, but I, I always had a difficulty that I either couldn't find a, a good mentor mm. or maybe just by my nature. I'm a like somebody who learns things, I learned things by myself. Um, so either way, I'm I'm i never really found one. Maybe just because you're in Germany is a bit is a bit harder to get. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't know anybody from my family uh, or friends. Um, or just me like really having to to learn these things by, m- by myself. That's that's the way I, I prefer it. Um yeah, something along these lines. And I don't really have a mentor.
0: That's I love well, thank you for being honest. You know, I think so often um, everyone's different. Everyone learns differently. Everyone experiences differently. And just hearing from your perspective that you haven't had a mentor and in fact, you know, getting your hands in and getting dirty and like understanding how to learn yourself has, has been, has been your journey, which, and it's interesting to think about that parallel around you're your own mentor, right? You have the work ethic to go and do what you need to do to learn what you need to learn. I actually wanted
1: to have one, but I, I just mm. couldn't. There was nobody I, I knew I found. So, I well, know. yeah.
0: Have you ever heard of Dan Martell? No. Okay. I don't I'll, know. I'll, offline, we'll talk about Dan. I think he would be a really sure. interesting person for you to connect with, especially in the space you're in. Um, he's got some really cool. He's got a cool book out, and uh, I'm in his elite coaching program right now, and so he's a mentor of mine. And I think you would okay. you would really connect with him. Yeah. Sometimes it just takes one person to open up your eyes to who is out there in the world. It it can be really cool to just have these connection calls and see how it can open things
1: up. Yeah, that would be good, actually.
0: Amazing. Beautiful. Well, let's talk a little bit about your story because you're a co-founder of a company called stagetimer.io, which I did a lot of deep diving on and having run events myself and having been in large conference rooms and meetings my entire kind of pre-entrepreneur life in corporate america i just think that the philosophy of what you're trying to do with stage timer is so needed in this industry and i'd love to get a little bit more of your story of who you are as a background but how did this idea come to be
1: so this is this idea came as a complete accident right I, i i went into this mental space of uh, being being a contractor, doing websites, uh, doing web development, I thought I want to have, really want to have a product. I want to have something that scales. You know, sure in the beginning you put a lot of work in, get a lot, get a little money out. But the more work you put in, the more it compounds. So that was my idea. I want to have something like this. I was very interested in the, the SaaS world. You know, software as a service businesses. Um, so one day. I sit in in a, in a studio of, of a friend um, who is doing a, a video recording, right? He has two rooms, one where the person, you know, is kind of sitting or standing in front of a green screen and the other room where he has his mixer and, and computer and recording and everything. Um, and he, you know, like runs into the, starts everything, camera, whatever, um, everything he can do from his buttons, right? Except for one thing, that is start the countdown, where he gets up, runs into the room, presses on some kind of old laptop that sits on a chair, uh, runs back out, and I'm thinking, you know, this, this is really necessary. That there should—it's such an obvious solution to have a, an an online solution that you can press start on one computer and then it would it would count down on a screen somewhere in inside a room. Um, and I looked online and couldn't find it. And, you know, in, in my mind, it's like, obviously, there has to be the solution. It's like, it's such an obvious thing. Uh, it, it wasn't there. At least I didn't find it, except for some stuff you have to download and, and complicate it. Uh, like, not the easy online I'll open a website. So I built it in in, in a weekend, because it's rather easy to build such a thing, and, and put it on Reddit, and stumbled into this, almost, say, like, need of people for such a tool that I ha- hadn't anticipated. I'm not even from the event industry. Um, so that's all completely new for me. Yeah.
0: It's, you know, I've been on stages in the last year where, you know, you have 20 minutes or 25 minutes or 30 minutes to give the presentation and you practice at home and you get the timer out and you, you know, your rhythm that, you know, you should be done within that time frame. And then you get on stage oh. and things, things happen, right? The nerves yeah. are high. You're, you know, you're thinking about a hundred other things. Somebody asks a question from the audience. Now you're answering it. It takes you off cue of how you're presenting. And very quickly, that 20 minutes or 25 minutes that you've rehearsed can be 40, 45, 50. And it completely takes the cadence of the event and makes it so that everyone's running behind now. And, you know, I, when I was looking at Stage timer, I, I just thought, gosh, you know, some, some, some rooms I've had this in and some rooms I haven't, but it's usually on a makeshift computer in the back of the room and somebody holds up a hand and says five minutes and tells you how much more time it is. So to have a screen as a presenter in front of you, that's counting down your time just helps you manage your time as somebody who's on stage actually giving a talk.
1: Yeah. And, and if you look from the event organizer perspective, right, you're telling this up front, you know, there's, there's lights, there's an uh, um, audience, like there's a, a hundred thousand like impressions on their mind. And then you stand there in the back with like this one paper that says, uh, you, know, come, you know, come to an end five minutes or whatever. Uh, and they never look at it or even ignore it. Um, I know you have to dance
0: in the back of the room to try to get anybody's attention
1: that's on stage. (laughs) Exactly. So I thought, you know, let's build everything in. Let's have this one screen. It it shows the time you can. And, you know, presenters can uh, press a button and it flashes it, you know, makes it like so people look. Um, You can flash. It goes over time. And you can even you can even show like a message right? that says something like, you know, hold the microphone closer to your mouth, please. Um,
0: That's so so helpful. Oh that's so helpful. I love this. So you're you are the developer of um the duo, right? And you're right. running this business. Correct me if I'm wrong with your wife? Yes. What and um, so tell me a little bit more around the dynamics of being a partner like actually building a business with your spouse and you know how you've defined those roles on like what you're doing in the business and what she's more gifted at in the business. How has that been
1: as you've been building? Yeah, I was I was worried about it so i i started alone and i built it as a side project right but it, and eventually i put like a payment thing and, and people started paying and, and you know the, the the monthly revenue starts growing and at the same time my wife is a teacher but she's, she's kind of like tired of her job doesn't want to do it anymore and i think you know what do you want to work with me like I'm i'm doing this new thing do you want to kind of do this shift in your career almost. Mm-hmm. And I asked her because I knew that she loves books and she loves learning. And she's very good, just like me, to to teach herself new things. So I said, if you if you want to help me, um, I need somebody who does customer service and marketing. Because, you know, as a founder, you do like right the, the meme is you do 50% development, 50% customer service, 50% marketing, and all the other things and uh your, your time is scarce. Um and I said, I will buy you like four books on each topic, and you read them and then you and then you do it because I just don't have the time. Mm. Um, and she was she was up for the challenge, which uh, you know, I was worried, like maybe she said, ah no, I cannot do this. I, i'm I'm not sure about it. But she was up for the challenge. Um, and that was the moment I knew I think it can work. you know, even mm. though we are we're married and live in the same house, I think having this clear separation of roles. She has her thing, I have my thing. And, and she's excited to learn how to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought, yes, this would this would work.
0: And how long ago was this that you guys started to partner where it went from maybe more of like a side hobby or hustle to, oh, people are starting to pay. The monthly revenue is yeah. actually picking up. We have a business here. You know, at what point ago. in time was that two years? Yeah. Incredible. Okay. I love that. What has been, so I work with my husband, although uh, today I run my own business. He advises, he runs his own business. I advise because we, we operate very differently. I'm much more of the, you know, people space, strategic side of things. I love diving into the marketing side, et cetera. He's the ops finance, you know, perspective. So we just look at business, business very differently. I'm curious for you, just working with your spouse, how have you managed? There's times in the day where it's work time and there's times in the day where you have to turn it off and be married in a couple. How have you managed that as a couple?
1: Well, so obviously when you work together, like everything just gets mixed together um, and you constantly talk about this or that. Um, I would say one advantage is you really have something to talk about we always obs- we often observe this in couples that they you know kind of almost run out of topics to talk i don't know you know what i mean
0: mm-hmm. and I if seen you, if
1: you have if you have businesses like there's just always something that comes up and and we have very engaged conversations about around business and then it goes into into other fields as well um but a challenge is to have kind of clear meeting times right with with a team you have your stand up uh, you have your where a town hall meeting and, and with your spouse, it can be challenging because you're t- together all the time. And sometimes you are kind of never, you're, ne- you're all the time together and you never, you never communicate
0: mm-hmm. properly.
1: You never sit down and just say, let's go through these topics, right? Let's make a strategic plan for the next few months. So what, how we solve this is that we go out to eat and we say, this time is reserved for strategy. Next three months, this time is reserved for a review of the last month, and we look at it. Um, it does not always work perfectly, but it's it's good enough, I would say.
0: I love that. Yeah, we we've, we've definitely had to use the calendar to make sure that we have like clarity of when we're spending time together, both professionally. Yeah. And I would agree. You know, a lot of our conversations, even on a date night, right you get outside, you're going for supper, you you know, you're, you're just enjoying life. We'll talk about a hundred other things, but it's really interesting how innately in those spaces, our creativity will turn on together and we'll be back talking about business. And it wasn't intentional. We weren't going out to talk about business, but we're just so excited about something that came through and at our dinner. And we're back to talking about that. So I understand I understand that deeply, but I do think to your point having clarity on when you're meeting and and the topics to discuss when it is a business oriented conversation is so helpful. it really is
1: And I mean one danger is right it's it's your spouse you cannot get rid of them like you cannot like if you have an argument we're not firing your spouse at this point yeah you're not you're not firing your spouse it's not it's not a thing um so but on the other hand since you are married, you know each other already for, in our case, uh, six, six years. So you know how the other person is thinking and ticking and and working. Um, and it's easier to estimate what is a good fit and it's easy, easier to kind of to handle conflicts because you have so much practice already.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I'm, I'm curious. So two years ago, you guys decided we're going to go all in. This is a business we're actually going to grow and scale what have been some of the big wins for you as you've been building this business? Like what has gone really well, you know, is the industry hungry for this? Like, what have you noticed?
1: So right at the beginning, right? So I have to preface that with, for me, this real, this whole product was always just like a a test an experiment. I thought this is a cool problem. It's so easy to solve, right? Almost. And I said, this is so easy to solve. Let me use it as a test. Um, the, I, I have it. I had it free. Like it was eight months was just a free tool in the internet that you could use. Um, and I thought, you know, if I really want to go into SaaS and and, and this stuff, I want to have, I, I would need to try it out. I've never used a payment method. I've never done any of this. So I integrated a payment system into this free tool and created like, to be fair a very flimsy pro feature just as an excuse uh, for people to pay and in my mind it was the experience of integrating the technical part Mm. and i didn't even plan a big launch all i did is just post it on twitter hey i integrated a payment method turns out the very the very evening i did that the first person paid which for me was the first like Aha! Uh-huh, you know, like the first internet. Somebody's money you willing make.
0: to take a credit card out and put yeah. the number in and pay.
1: <laughs> the first internet money you make is always magic. It is. And, it is. Um, you
0: actually, it's the first time you see the payment come in on the processing side on your end. You know, somebody actually paid for the product we went at, we put out. It's it is magic. It really is a magical moment.
1: Completely, somebody wants that, and then really started for us to children to understand who actually wants that who are the people that want that? because again i'm not from the industry so i thought you know people that have a studio because my friend had that um but then more and more got into this no it's people that do live video editing live video production event organization um and how do you speak to them where do you find them what do they do when, when are they active you know like like where do they gather and, and congregate um and really early on and this was really awesome um we got this word of mouth um boost Mm -hmm. people started talking to each other and like every end, like oh there's a youtube video where they mentioned us and there's a podcast where they mentioned us um from these these people in this industry because turns out if you're in the the live video production industry you have uh, lots of cameras and equipment and, and recording uh gear and these people they all like host youtube videos and their own live stream channels so they constantly put out content Mm -hmm. and and really love to like discover new tools and talk about it so this was great in the beginning really gave us kind of this um broad acceptance in 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 our industry just by by these individuals uh, that are excited about technology and, and equipment in their space talking about us
0: it's incredible yeah word of mouth is so powerful it's it's a big piece of how I built my business to referrals and word of mouth were they're just so powerful when you have a warm lead that's coming in and saying like, Oh, I want that too. Or, you know, how can I get, get access to that tool? That's awesome. I love that they were sharing without even the need for you to say like, Hey, our product works over here. Take a look from a marketing standpoint. Those are really powerful to have testimonials and people sharing, sharing about your, your tool without. So I love that. Um, I'm curious on the flip side As you've been building this, what have been some of the roadblocks or hiccups or challenges you've faced along the road of building a profitable SaaS-based business?
1: Um, So probably the most unpopular topic is is taxes and regulations. Yeah. Every every person that does not come from an entrepreneur background has to learn it in their country. And uh, yeah, I always assumed that in Germany it was particularly difficult until I tweeted it out. And then people told me that it, it's not much easier. Like, yes, America and UK, they have a bit of an easier system. But like Canada, you in Canada, mm-hmm. um, and other countries, it's equally complex to do anything regarding business. So that is a, it's a big roadblock right at the beginning, right? Right when you don't have money, don't have experience, don't have a, don't have anything, you, know, you get this kind of huge... How, how do I handle, you know, all accounting and taxes? And that mm-hmm. that's, that's hard, um, but it, it's manageable. And, uh, yeah, and I don't want to talk too much about it because it's a bit of a boring topic. And then the <laughs> next is pricing. Yes. pricing
0: yeah, Pricing
1: is so hard. Like what number do you put on your thing, right? If, if you sell, if you resell something, right? You buy shoes, resell shoes. It's super easy. You buy the shoe for $100 and then you sell it for $120. So you have your, your margin. But try to do that with a digital product. Because yeah. essentially, a digital product costs nothing in the beginning, right? A bit, a bit of hosting, a bit here and there, but it's just your time. How do you put a price on that? Is it eight is it bucks? Is it 20? Is it 40? Is it 50? Is it 100? You have no clue. And only as you get to know the market, you understand okay, how big is the problem? How much are people willing to pay for it? Are there other, you know, we, as I said in the beginning, I looked for the solution, nobody had it. So there was no comparison, but there's, you know, tools that are kind of in the same space. What do they uh, charge? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you're getting closer and closer to this answer of what can I charge? But then comes the problem of like, what customer do I want? Do I want to have the the business customer or the, the kind of end user? Um. um, um, um how do you say like private person It's a complete different pricing, complete different um, customer service that you have to do at, at that point. Uh, do they need invoice? Do they not need in- invoices? And, and so on and so forth. Yeah, and also it... um, yeah, go, go ahead. I, I, I lost my breath.
0: I was just going to say it's, it's entrepreneurship is, is so interesting because it's the only place where you're arbitrarily coming up with a price. Right. And so my, so I, I sell a service, right? Like, so I don't have a product at the end of the day, the service is me (laughs) and I am coming into businesses and I'm helping them with people strategy, thinking about who they need to hire next, building out a roadmap for them. And then I go hire talent for them. And over the course of seven years, like pricing has ebbed and flowed with what the market was looking at, but it also a big piece of it was my own confidence, So I'm curious for you, like, was confidence a piece of, as you started to see how this tool was actually impacting people in the market and they were giving you feedback in that feedback loop cycle, were you then more confident to put the price tag you wanted to see on it? And has your pricing changed over time and iterated over time?
1: Yeah, we are are more than double what, what I started with right now and and it it's confidence is such a big part just to understand yeah it is worth something i can charge more um and another thing is that you have this problem how do you separate a low price from a high price right there's a company that needs a lot and there's a company that needs very little there's a company that has has one event there's another one they make a, a team meeting every single week and need my tool like should should one company pay more than the other? Yes, obviously. But how do you measure that? Like, where do you draw the line in the sand and say, well, here's cheap and here's expensive? Right. How do you do that? And we we tried several methods. We said we limited like how, how much you can how many rooms you can create, how many timers you can create in one room, how how many days you can show. You know, right now we're trying how many kind of users you can have in your team. And it's all imperfect.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It never properly works. It's always you always have the the big companies, you know, the Googles and whatever. They come and use your tool and pay ten bucks. And and the small the small guy that that does it for his church, you know, who just happens to need these five things that that are in in the more expensive plan, and then he calls you and says, "Oh, your thing is so expensive. Can we have it for a cheaper price?" You never can do it right. Mm-hmm. Course, it's it's very very hard
0: yeah it is. it's it's and you I think, to your point, like you're just constantly learning and you're constantly building the confidence in your product and how it serves and who's it for. And it's just yeah. that constant loop, that feedback loop of you know, you put something out there, people buy, they have an experience, they give you feedback, and then it's iterative. And I always say that in in business, like business is not linear, right? It's not just one straight line that like, oh, it just keeps going. it gets easier. Yeah. It's to me, business and running your own business is the greatest personal development and professional development crash course, because you're learning and growing as a human and a leader, as much as you're learning and growing a business at the same time. So it's always, there's always an Achilles heel of like, what does right even mean? Like who knows what the right answer is for everybody. And it's just constantly iterating based on the feedback the market's giving us.
1: Absolutely. And, and then we get to the next step, right? I'm comparatively small in my company. It's me and my wife and it's it covers our expenses, but we are getting to the point where we have you know, enough customers and it's growing and we need more architecture and this and this and more feature requests. And I'm thinking, who who do I hire first? Yes. Where do I find them? Do I hire hundred percent or 50% or a contractor or mm-hmm. like, what, what is the step? How does it look like? Do I m- micromanage them or do I find somebody who, who I can say, you know, here's a problem solve it? Um, like I don't have this experience. So this is the kind of the step in the development that I need to take. I mean, you yeah. have this experience. How do you do it?
0: I love this. Yeah. This is my jam. Um, and especially when we're at the early stages like this, where you're starting to think about team now, right? And as you scale, who we're hiring is such a big question mark for all of us in all of our industries. Yeah. And so I've worked primarily in the space of tech and I love working with startup and growth companies who are growing at a rapid rate because it's fun to start to piece together the who do you need. And so here's some perspective for you. I'll give you this. It's, it's something I talk about really openly, which is we always have to have clarity first and we want to think about boxes before people. So often we get to this stage that you're at and you might have friends in the same industry who are giving you advice like, Hey, I hired this person first. No, I her- hired that person first. Right. I hired an architect. No, I hired an operations person. I hired an executive assistant, but I hired a marketing person. Like everyone's hiring differently because when you think about talent, it's gonna be custom to your business and custom to the growth plan that you're on. And so what I always do is you have to go strategy first cause you have to do clarity of mm-hmm. truly who you need. And then you roadmap that it's called um, like succession planning or people planning where you roadmap who you need. Let's just use your business as an example. Let's say you're thinking about hiring. What's your timeframe that you're thinking about? Like, would you want to see somebody in your business in the next three months, six months, year? What are you thinking? Yeah, so
1: six, six months horizon. Six months, okay.
0: So we're going to hire the first person in six months. And then based on your business, and I'll walk you through how I get there strategically in a second, you might be thinking, okay, if we hire that person, it unlocks this in the business and this is what it actually generates for us. The second person we need to hire is 12 months after that. And I think it needs to be this rule. So you start to build a little bit of a roadmap or a plan succession-wise against who you need and when, because one of the biggest roadblocks of entrepreneurs is we are reactive or late to hiring. Mm -hmm. We don't hire the person until we're in pain. We wait until we get
1: once like it, to to get back, back to the e-myth, right you you you're chuckling all the balls once the balls fall then you think oh who, who can pick up this ball
0: yeah oh maybe i should actually hire to get somebody to go grab that ball so that it doesn't keep falling every
1: yeah. you know
0: day when i miss it on my my to do list that's now grown you know because i'm everything in the business as a solo printer or even having kind of one other partner so i always like to think about proactive hiring so if we know who you need in 6 months you can be hiring today and what that means is yeah we can go traditional and you can post and you can you can do all the things online but it's also the the one piece that we miss when we when we're reactive is we forget that good people know good people you have a mm-hmm. whole network of people who you could say hey i'm hiring an architect in 6 months if anybody comes to mind let me know you could tweet it out. Hey, I'm hiring an architect in six months. Who are your top? Who's the top talent out there?
1: Right. So, so instead of saying, "Oh, I need an I need an architect yesterday," or today, even yes. better, you say like in six months, and then you have this time to to get. Then some, you have time, something. and some,
0: people start sending you right. referrals, and people start sending people in. You might end up hiring that talent in four months because you find a better person than if you waited. Right. But at the end of the day, you put yourself in a position of power versus a position of uh, like, I need this today. And you almost, a lot of the times entrepreneurs will make quick decisions and they won't be the most effective decisions. And then you get into the the loop of, I hired fast and I hired wrong. And now thank right. goodness it won't be your wife. Now I have to fire them because it's the wrong person and it costs me more time and energy. And now I have to go higher again because I'm even further behind. And it creates this, and like I I see it in entrepreneurs a lot. There's an anxiety that comes with hiring then because we never got ahead of it. So that's just some thinking for you, but how I do that. So, So for me, it's always, what's the mission? What are we trying to create within your business? Then we get really clear on where are you at today? And that's very specific to your business model, your revenue structures, how we're bringing money in. Just really clean look at where you're at today. And then the conversations you're having with your wife over lunch, where we get clear on, okay, well, what's the growth plan? What's happening in three months from now? What's happening in six months from now? What's happening in 12 months from now? Once we get clarity on where we want to go, that starts to identify the, for me, I start to see puzzle pieces of who you might want to bring into the team from a skill set standpoint, from a leadership standpoint to unlock that potential. So I always say where you are today versus where you want to go tomorrow, there's a bridge in between. And one of those bridges is who you need to hire because it's going to help you scale faster if we can get it right.
1: That's really cool. So since we're on the topic, one more question. Uh, What is your like, like um, employee versus contractor?
0: Mm -hmm. It depends. And this is where I'm not, I have hired, fractional people, contractor people, Mm -hmm. part-time people, full-time people for all different companies, because it depends. And it depends on the specific needs that you have. It depends on the goals that you have. Like for instance, in your company, do you want to be a entrepreneur team that has 20 people like physically or remotely working for you? Like, have you and your wife talked about what your goal is when you think about, is this a big team? Is this a boutique team? Right. What do you guys think?
1: Right. For us, small team and remote. There we go. It's, it's obvious.
0: So small team and remote, if that's the energy that we're trying to create, in we might step into hiring. I call it stepping into hiring. You don't need to hire somebody full-time right now mm-hmm. because you don't even know how they work. You hired right. your wife because you knew her. You had six years of previous experience to say, I know Advantage. her, I know her work ethic. I know how she's going to show up. Sometimes it's best to hire fractionally or a contractor and step into hiring. And once they've proven themselves over six months, 12 months, then you say, hey, you're doing awesome. You really fit with our culture. Do you want to flip to full-time or do you like being a contractor? Uh-huh. So, and, and again, different places in the world will have different regulations around hiring versus contractors and how yeah. often we how often we use them. But at the end of the day, it really comes back to what you're trying to create in your business and build a build a custom people plan around that.
1: But you see, this is the magic. Like you have done it a few times. When you say it, it sounds easy. It's like, ah, look, so easy. And and because as an entrepreneur, you think about it as a an unknown. This is unknown to me. It's so complicated. Oh, there's so many things to to this to to consider. Um, and so it, feels like this, scary, right? yeah, it feels scary, right? Yeah, scary
0: when you've never done before. If I came to you and I was like, "Hey, I need to develop this piece of my business that's going to use your skill set as a developer to go build a digital product on my on my business." Building a digital project product to me feels overwhelming, right? So it's it's that's where that's where for me the more we can connect the dots to people who are experts in their space, yeah. the more we can really mm-hmm. unlock the fear and be like, oh, it's actually quite simple when we just lay it out when a really clean
1: like, Yeah, I like, loop. This like when I started, um, I, I saw on Twitter other people that had their own kind of bootstrap businesses and they were posting, hey, I I have $5,000, $6,000 of, of monthly recurring revenue now. Um, and you see this and you think, yeah, this person's alone. This person's my age. They know about as much as I do. I can do this. You know, I can get there. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is the same with somebody who says, yeah, this is how hiring works and um, no problem. Think, Yeah, I think I can do this.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really breaks down the walls and creates more clarity, right? And and we can be, as entrepreneurs, when, we, when we're clear and there's a roadmap A lot of us have had to bootstrap and get our hands dirty and like figure it out. So I'm always like, hey, if I have, this is where mentorship really comes in for me. Like if I have a mentor who's done this before me and can give me some advice, I'm not worried about myself executing because I'm pretty good at getting in there and getting things done or else I wouldn't have a business. None of us would be making any money if we were afraid to do things right and actually try something. But sometimes it's like, I feel like I have 10 options and I don't know what one to do first that's where I get stuck as a, as a business owner. So yeah, that's and where I, mentorship has really helped me.
1: I don't know if you still have time. I have a good example about that. Please do. Um, I can, I can do it quickly. So we came, came home from a trade show uh, two weeks ago and I get an email from somebody who says, yeah, I'm i I'm an investor and I, you know, I'm invest kind of my own money and I'm interested. I really like your product. Um, not normally you, you kind of ignore cold emails, but this one was very personal. And I felt like, it's it's real so i had a meeting a call with him and he introduced his idea and said you know maybe it could be something maybe we can we can come together here um and like i get out of this call and i think i've never even thought of investment right i didn't seek it i have never thought of it what what is happening but because i have kind of this community now on twitter and and know people i immediately like contacted them and say hey you have been in investor meetings or you have taken money Uh, tell me like tell me what I should look for tell me the red flags tell me the green flags tell me how it feels like to sit on the table with other people that are rich and want to give you their money um and I had some some talks in the next days and it's just helped me to understand ah so this is the dynamic this is how it works this is what's the end goal this is what the parties have as interests right this is how they negotiate this is how they try to get you know the upper hand um and it helps me just to go into this next meeting that we maybe have in a much more relaxed way because I know what's going on. That's uh, right. because I've I've now heard of people talking about it.
0: And you maybe you ask different questions now because right. you know somebody told you here are the red flags, so ask the questions to see if any of these red flags come up. It's you put yourself in such a more powerful position when you ask or you seek some feedback so that you can learn from people who have done it before us. Like at the end of the day, that's all we're doing, right? I feel like I had mentors that have done this before me. And now I'm in a position, thankfully, where I can mentor some other people who are maybe building their businesses yourself as well, right? I'm sure you're a mentor and you probably don't even realize it because you're, you and I met on Twitter, like that's where yeah, we exactly. met. So you have a good presence and people will ask you questions, you'll reply to them and you know using our own lived experience to help others is is a piece of this in my mind and just keeping community and openness of sharing really top of mind has always been really important to me. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, and I love it.
1: It's precious to have such a community. Yeah.
0: It is. It is. Well, Lucas, if somebody's interested in this, so again stagetimer.io, think about it like a countdown clock that can be programmed onto your computer, onto your stages. If you're in the entertainment space, if you're a live podcaster, if you're a live, if you do live recordings like YouTube channels, even if you're a corporate, um, if you're in corporate meetings and you need a, a timer on for presentations or to keep everyone on track, this is a tool that I think is going to really continue to support so many industries that really need it, and especially the event space. How can people yeah. find out about you? How can people connect with you if they're interested to learn more?
1: Yeah, so you can check out the tool. What we haven't uh, mentioned, it there's a it's a freemium, so there's a free version you can just use. Um, it's called stagetimer.io. And uh, if you want to kind of follow me, I'm really active on Twitter. I try to share things that happen to me, good and bad. Uh, follow me at at underscore uh, L Herman, uh, my name, right, first name and then last name with an underscore in front, because many tr- Germans have my name, unfortunately. Um, yeah would be awesome.
0: Beautiful. Well, we'll make sure to make, uh, make sure that stage timer.io website and your links are all live on our show notes. So if you want to connect with Lucas, you want to learn more about this product, please check out the show notes. Cause it'll be just uh, an easy click for you to get access to all the things Lucas. I'm so grateful for your time and your energy. Thank you for pouring into us and just sharing a bit more about your entrepreneurial journey with us. Thanks for having me. All right, guys, we'll see you again on the Jackie Service Show. Thank you for listening in to today's show. If there was a key message that landed with you, please share or send us a direct message on Instagram at Jackie Service and let us know. We love hearing from you. Also, to continue to keep this podcast growing, it would mean the world if you could take a minute and like and rate the show or share it with a friend. Our team is forever grateful. Until next time, we'll see you again on the Jackie Service Show.